One day I'll be happy with the way I am, and I won't dwell upon the problems that are out of my hand. But if I never get there, I don't care if I never get there. One day I'll never. Cobra Skulls. Last week was... long. I've been doing battle with my lack of sleep again, only this time it has a powerful ally. My desire to do things when I should be sleeping. I have a lot of projects I want to work on, including this one, where I find my best inspiration while lying in bed, or at the very best, in the late night hours. I'll convince myself it's fine, I'll just lay there and not sleep anyways, so what does it matter? Then I'll proceed to type up long rambling ideas on my Google Docs via my phone, or get that gold trophy in the new Clubhouse Games version of Shogi. I could list more of my bad habits, instead I'll just finish the thought by saying that my brain has a love-hate relationship with sleep. I bring this up because I was lying awake and writing down ideas the other night when I started thinking of the weird places I keep in my memory, my mental checkpoints. You see, I don't have the best memory around, and there are whole chunks of my life that I can't seem to get many details out of, even when I sit and puzzle them down with friends. But there are these weird places, periods of time of bizarre clarity where I can recall even the most irrelevant detail with ease. I use them as mental checkpoints for remembering other details. For example, in August of 2002, just before school started, a friend of mine came down from Oregon to visit for a few days, and I can remember just about everything we did and said. I recall the placement of the furniture in my room at the time, down to the contents of my messy closet. I remember the dumb jokes that we made and the details of the video games we played. So today, I'm going to take you down the deep river of memory that I hold for this particular checkpoint. For reference, I was 15 years old, about to start my sophomore year of high school. My bedroom walls had not yet been painted blue. My brothers shared a room across the game room, which would later become one of their bedrooms. My bed consisted of a twin mattress just laid on the floor in front of the doorway, so the swamp cooler we used as our source of summer relief would blow directly on me as I slept. This was where things lived when my friend, who we will call S, arrived. The night he got there, he had his bag of clothes and necessities, but the only bit of non-essential he had brought with him was the lid to one of those aluminum takeout containers. Just a cardboard disc printed with their shorthand menu so it could be quickly marked to denote the contents of said container. Within minutes of arrival, he pulled out this disc and began to read from it as fast as he could. Rib chick stick wabi big chick stick. Oh yeah, S was a weird dude. I laughed and he passed the lid over to me, and I gave it my best shot. After passing it back and forth, trying to make it as far as we could go down the menu in a single breath, we found ourselves laughing so hard we couldn't even make it a few syllables in. It was late, but we were young and hadn't seen each other in years. So we turned a movie on loud enough to mask our muffled laughter, and we stayed up as late as we could as we caught up. That strange and marvelous dance of reuniting with a friend, especially as a kid, is a type of magic we don't often get to experience anymore. Thanks mostly to the advent of social media, but also in part due to the layered oddities of adult friendship. Most people just can't start by making jokes with a piece of cardboard and hope for the best. There are two more important snippets from that week I would like to touch on, but first a tangent. This particular summer was one of my last truly carefree summers, and this week ended with only a few days left in that summer. I remember the events of this week so clearly, but I mix up some of the other details between that summer and the summer after so frequently. Outside of this one week, they might as well be the same one in my head. So when I sit here and think about this week, I'm thinking about the end of my childhood, some of my last worry-free moments, and it fills me with a strange sense of loss for something I can't quite put into words. I spent this week laughing pretty much non-stop, so it stays in my mind as the fond farewell to youth. Now let's talk about some anime. 
Yu Yu Hakusho had come out earlier that same year, and had just hit the end of the run of currently licensed or translated material, which meant it was time to rerun the entire thing from the beginning. I had already seen the entire thing, myself being a big Toonami fan back in this era. In the game room, we had a TV practically locked onto the channel, so after we finished a long bout of Super Smash Bros. Melee, the GameCube turned off and the TV switched back onto the cable. Not automatically, of course. This was a 30-something-inch CRT that weighed more than I did at the time. We changed the channel back in time to catch the first five minutes of the first episode, but S was quick to dismiss it as he wasn't really an anime guy. You see, the show is about a teen punk who gets hit by a car and dies, becomes a ghost, and then goes on to fight demons. You know, anime stuff. Well, the first episode basically starts with the line, he's supposed to be the hero of the story, but oddly enough, he's dead. S just sighed and heckled, well that's unfortunate. We laugh and we watch the rest of the ep and rode the jokes the whole way down. At the end of the experience, we were repeating our favorite quips and wiping tears from our faces when S just remarked that he could go for a show that doesn't take itself too seriously. That's when we decided to watch M. Night Shyamalan's newest movie, still in theaters, Signs. It was the last showing of the night in the furthest theater down the hall. From the moment we sat down, we were the only ones in the theater, and we laughed and joked through the background music before the lights had dimmed. We were really on one, and, for the record, I hate talking in theaters, but we were here for this exact purpose. Just as the movie was starting, another group of four women easily twice our age entered the room. We quickly relegated ourselves to the front row as they took the very back. We tried our best to muffle the laughter and only whisper our jokes back and forth, but there were a few moments when we couldn't even catch our breath between S's jokes and our collective squirming giggles. When the film was done and the credits rolled, the women in the back stood up and clapped. Not at the film, but at the dumb high schoolers who had made a mockery of the spectacle. S bowed, but the rest of us quickly dipped, and we laughed all the way back to the car. I don't really re-watch Signs, and Yu Yu Hakusho is too long for frequent revisits. but whenever I think of them, I think of my friend from Oregon. I think of all the inside jokes, the endless laughter, and one of the last summers. I could have gone into the detail of the jokes, but I wouldn't do the magic of it justice. I can recall the stupid afternoons of video games and the evening walks through the neighborhood. I can tell you about the Lego sets that sat on and in the two desks I had in my room, neither of which had a chair the small collection of books I kept away from the family shelves, the smell of home candle that really does smell of home, and the weirdest assortment of toy and game components salvaged and serving as decorations. All of these things exactly as they were this week, but I can't for the life of me tell you about my first day back at school that year, even though it was less than ten days later. Now for my extended outro. I know it's a bit early to be saying thank you for listening, but thanks for doing exactly that. The Halloween season is going to be upon us soon, and I've had a few people suggest that I do a month of spooky stories. I want to do it. I love that stuff, and I love sharing those experiences. I have enough to fill all four October episodes with a few stories each. I just want to get some feedback before I begin. Do I fill them chock full, or do I share one per ep? I'll let you decide. All of the stories on that list so far are either personal experiences or stories from close acquaintances that help illustrate the strangeness of the town I live in. If you've got a story you want me to share, feel free to reach out to me. I plan on doing this every ween season, as long as I can keep this train running. I've been doing more research on where else to host my pod, and I've been hitting a few snags along the way. So this one will hopefully upload just fine on SoundCloud, otherwise it might be a day or so late. If it is, I'm sorry. I guess I really won't know until I try. Well, I started my outro early so I could finish this episode up in a different way. I'm going to end with one final story a snippet from another one of my mental checkpoints. 
This one took place in 2008, during my last week before moving in with my friend Trevor, who for some reason is the only person I have name-dropped so far. Sorry everyone else. Sorry, Trevor? I just think the single-letter codenames are fun and let me tell more honest stories. The last few days in that house, and the first few days in my first apartment, are another hyper-vivid point I can reconnect to. The broadcast of the opening ceremonies for the Beijing Summer Olympics was keeping me from finishing up the last of my packing. I only had the last of my clothes, a box of oddities, and a plastic tote of shower goods left to fill before my final farewells were to be said. I sat at the table in the kitchen and ate dinner with my family as we all lived together for the last time. It wasn't an emotional event. In fact, we were all pretty occupied with the fireworks displayed that showed outlines of footprints appearing over the city, made to look like an invisible giant was heading towards the stadium. When the spectacle came to a close, and I had my boxes in my hands, ready to head out the door to leave the house that I had called home for seven years, nearly twice as long as any home I had ever had up to that point, I stared out the open front door from the archway that separated the living room from the rest of the house for a long time. I turned around to see everybody sitting on the couch, and I gave them an unnoticed nod. And as I walked through the front room, out the door and up the street, I imagined leaving behind those quickly fading footprints of colored fire. To this day, as I walk away from moments knowing full well that I can never go back, I see those fireworks.